Good evening, and welcome back to Crescent Church for the second part of our study from darkness into light. Our opening hymn this evening is Light of the World, You Step Down into Darkness, Open My Eyes, Let Me Sing.
Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come into your presence at the commencement of this Christmas season. Now, Father, as we open your word today, you'd, we'd ask that you would open our minds and open our hearts so that we may respond in an appropriate way. Father, we thank you for the Christmas season. We thank you for the reality of the birth of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, for the words, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Father, as we conclude this short study, we'd ask for your blessing upon us. We also give you thanks, our Father, for the positive news regarding the vaccine. We thank you, our Father, for those who have dedicated their lives to during the whole crisis looking after us in the health service. We'd ask, our Father, that you continue to protect them, keep them, we would pray. We pray that you would lead and guide those who are in medicine, those who are the scientists, those in government, as they lead us through the remaining days of this pandemic. And our Father, we'd ask for your blessing upon each and every head that is bowed and listening. We commit each and every family to you and ask for your blessing upon them. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I came across a poem which was posted in 2015 and it resonated with me because it was written by a man who was living in Malaysia and he wrote these words. It is dark, no moon, no light, just darkness, a starless sky, the wind blows, the waves break and a, a single firefly passes by. Soon, the firefly is gone, leaving me in the darkest of nights. But that tiny fly made me anticipate a sunrise with the finest of lights. That tiny fly made me anticipate a sunrise with the finest of lights. I remember as a boy walking through the rice fields in Japan and trying to catch the firefly. It was there, and then it was gone. You saw a light, and as soon as you recognized the light and reached out to catch it, it was gone. It was a sunrise with the fleetest of night. And it reminded me so much of what we were talking about together last week. If you recall, we, we talked about the darkness. And yet this week we have had some fantastic news. Within the last number of days we have heard that a vaccine has been found to lift us out of this terrible pandemic. Yes, it has been a dark year. We focused on that last week. But now there is hope. There is light. The press have been carrying articles on the discovery of the vaccine. One newspaper says, a ray of light in the dark days of the pandemic. Nicholas Sturgeon said, the prospect of the coronavirus vaccine provides a ray of hope that should help the country emerge from a dark tunnel. The French news says, buoyed by the COVID-19 results, officials see light 
at the end of the tunnel. And the World Health Organization General Direct, Di Director General says, we have come through a long trial. The light is at the end of the tunnel. And we all hope and pray that this light, that this vaccine will bring relief and that we will be able to return to some form of normality. But all too often our hope and our anticipation of light fades away. During the month of September in Romania, there was an election for a local mayor. The man who stood for mayor unfortunately contacted COVID and passed away a matter of weeks before the election. But it was too late to remove his name from the ballot paper. So while everybody was aware that this man had passed away, the ballot paper contained his name. The interesting thing is that that mayor in that village won the election with 62% of the vote, even though he had unfortunately passed away. It made the news. Reporters interviewed people and asked why they voted for a man who had unfortunately died. They said he brought hope. He delivered what he promised. He always kept his word. And so therefore they were looking towards what they saw in a man who had passed away, this, this hope, but he was dead. And they hoped that this promise would continue. And all too often throughout our history, we have found ourselves in a very, very similar situation. All too often in our history, we have found ourselves looking forward towards hope, towards light. At the outbreak of the Second World War, Chamberlain held up that inf infamous piece of paper, Peace in Our Time, and within a matter of months, the uh, world was at war. And we could repeat that time and time again. Hope and light which disappears. But I want to talk to you this morning about a light which is not dependent upon a man, which is not dependent upon a politician, which is not dependent on a political idea, but is dependent upon a person, a person who is eternal, a person who lives, a person who died and rose again. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so let's go to the passage that we read last week. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 reads, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Last week we looked at the fact that it was a very dark scene. 
We talked about the people who had been driven into darkness. We talked about people whose lives were absolutely miserable. We're not going to rehearse it all. But a society, a land which had lost its way, which had deviated from the teaching and the word of God, which had allowed themselves to be corrupted by idolatry and all that associated with it. And they had lost their way and they were driven into darkness. And we also, last week, considered those who walked in darkness and how they were lost. But this week I want to take it a step forward and focus again upon that light which came into that darkness. Light into the darkness. There is an enormous difference between what I want to say this morning and what the politicians were saying about the discovery of the COVID vaccination. They talked about a light at the end of the tunnel. They talked about a glimmer of hope. They talked about looking forward to it. And the light that I want to speak to you this morning is not something which is at the, at the end of a tunnel. It is a light which indwells you and walks with you as in present with you. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Remember whenever we talked last week, we talked about the fact that Genesis started with darkness and then there was light. And isn't it interesting that whenever you look at the days in Genesis, the way in which they are described in the creation account, each time the day concludes, it says, there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and then there was morning. And that phrase is repeated time and time again. There was evening and then there was morning. We would have say there was morning and then there was evening. It's evening and morning. And while the Jewish people continue to use that means of counting their days, there is something within that little phrase which talks about God and his character. It's almost as if God has turned his back on darkness, on evening, and is looking forward to the dawn and the future, which is light. And that theme runs right throughout the whole of the Bible. Light. Remember whenever you come to the people of Israel wandering in the dark in the wilderness, there was a light went ahead of them. Whenever you come to the Psalms, you read of a light of your path. When you come here into Isaiah, you read upon a light that is to come. When you go into John's Gospel, we read about the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I am the light of the world. When we go into the book of Revelation, that concludes with the Son and the Lamb being the light. And so darkness is no longer available, no longer there. It is conquered. And we read in chapter 9, though we didn't take time to read all the verses, that the gloom that we describe changes to rejoicing in verse 3. The distress turns to joy. Oppression turns to the broken yoke. Darkness turns to light. And the shadow of death is overcome. So 700 years before the wise men, before the shepherds, before the baby in the manger, 
before the whole Christmas story of which we are so familiar, over 700 years before it, Isaiah is talking here about the Christmas story. He's talking here about a light which is to come. And so what is that light? Look at it in verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. A child is born. It's very clear that the first phrase refers to his humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born to his mother Mary, led in a manger. We're so familiar with that story, but sometimes we lose the significance about it. We call it a simple story, and yet the depth of it is profound. There in the manger, a child was born. It speaks of Bethlehem. It speaks of his humanity. It speaks of the Lord Jesus becoming flesh and made his dwelling among us. It says we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Lord Jesus Christ was fully man. The second thing that it tells us is, unto us a son is given. A son is given. It doesn't say a son is born. It tells us a son is given. In other words, this points towards his pre-existence. This points towards his deity. This points towards the fact that he was God. And that God gave his son into this world. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That well-known Christmas carol captures it well. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come. Offspring off a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. And so in that, those two little phrases, for unto us a child is born, we have his humanity. For unto us a son is given, we have his deity. And here is the reality. The message of the manger is not simple. The child who is born is not a child that is born in normal circumstances. The child is born is a son who is given. But then we have a series of titles and names. But before we get to those series of titles and names, we read the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, not only have they proclaimed his humanity, not only have they proclaimed his deity, they're proclaiming that he is a king, that he is sovereign, his sovereignty. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And it says again, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. And sometimes when we read the Christmas story, we, we gloss over this phrase of 
the angel appearing to Mary when she says, The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. A government, a king, a kingdom. There are a number of directions in which we can move, and time does not permit us. But let me just in quick summary tell you this. That God, through Jesus Christ, he is my Lord. He is my King. He's the King of my life. And as I live my life here on earth, because of faith and coming to him in simple faith, I have accepted him as my king and he reigns. But this also points us forward, way, way forward. Whenever you look at the baby in the manger, that little scene takes you away forward, millennial forward. It takes you past the manger. It takes you past Simeon in the presentation of the child. It takes you past him coming out and being baptized by John. It takes you past him calling his disciples. It takes you past the miracles. It takes you past the cross. It takes you past the grave. It takes you past his ascension. It takes you right into the future. Because the Bible tells us that there is a light coming, a hope coming, that Jesus Christ will reign on earth, his kingdom will be established, that he will come again, and that God's kingdom will dwell here on earth, a new heaven and a new earth. Here is the amazing fact, that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And when will this happen? In the book of Daniel, we read a story of a famous, famous statue made of gold and silver and bronze and so on. And whenever we look at that statue, we, we read the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And we read about a stone which comes and crushes that statue. The Lord Jesus Christ is that stone. And so what we see here in the manger is the birth of a child who will come as a stone and will crush the empires and will crush the world in which we know and now live and establish light. But what will be his name? His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My name causes me a problem because my parents decided not to call me by my first name but to call me David, which is my second name. So when I go to a doctor's surgery or to the dentist and they call me out by my first name, I don't respond. But you see, the reason I have those two names and the reason my first name is not used is because it is a family tradition that goes right back generations. The oldest Farrell son, grandson, great-grandson, always was given the same name. And that's been passed down generation upon generation upon generation. That's why I was given that name. And we give names for various reasons, to identify people. But whenever you come to the time of the Bible, people were given a name because of who they were and who they hoped 
they would be. But his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Whenever you read your Bible, sometimes there is a comma between Wonderful and Counselor, and there's a great debate between theologians as to whether it's Wonderful and then it's Counselor. We'll set that aside for a moment. Wonderful Counselor. Whenever you listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as a wonderful counselor, listen to the words of him as he speaks. Listen to the words of him as he speaks on the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to the words that he speaks to Nicodemus who came to find him by night. Listen to the words of those who are critical of him and how he addresses them. Listen to the words as he speaks words of forgiveness to the woman who was caught and brought to his feet, or the thief on the cross, or even those who crucified him. Wonderful counsellor is a term which indicates that Jesus Christ will have a wonderful, God-given, supernatural source of extraordinary wisdom. He comes beside you, and he will be beside you. Mighty God, whenever you think of mighty God, look at the Lord Jesus Christ as he lived here on earth. Think about him as he changed the water into wine. Think about him as he reached down and placed clay in the eyes of a blind man, restored his sight. Think about him as he stood there in front of the boat and commanded the storm to be still. Think about him as he walked on top of, on the surface of the water. Think about him as he said to Jairus, your daughter has been raised. Think about him as he spoke to Lazarus to come out of the tomb. Think about him as he personally rose again from the dead. He is mighty God. He is divine and omnipotent. And he is all-powerful. Everlasting Father. The emphasis by these words is one who cares. And last week Ian Kerr took us through that in Romans about the whole concept of him being our Father. And the book of Hebrews talks about him that he within him was the full radiance of God's glory. That he was the exact image of God's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. You'll bring well-being and right relationships. And not only will it be peace of God in our lives, but we can have peace with God in our lives. We not only will understand and have the peace in those difficult times, but we also know that our relationship with God has been restored, that we now have the peace of God. Listen as he says, my peace I give to you. Or as he says again, do not let your heart be troubled. Or as he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Watch him as he walks into Jerusalem or rides into Jerusalem in the back of the donkey. Listen to him and how he responds when he is verbally and physically abused. One concordance says that there's no less than 318 times in the Bible 
is it mentioned that Jesus will bring peace to this earth. And so here we have it. Darkness, hopelessness, lost, a society which has gone away, a, a society which has strayed, a society and individuals who are living in darkness and they're screaming and clamoring for light and they're even looking for a glimmer of light. But the reality is there's more within the Christmas message. A child is born, his humanity. A son is given, his deity. A government upon his shoulder, his sovereignty. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the child in the manger. This is the one who brings light. This is the one who will establish his kingdom and will govern appropriately. This is the one whom we call the Savior of the world. I do not like heights. As a matter of fact, I'm terrified of heights. The joke in our house is that I'm the only person to have to have been rescued by neighbors off a bungalow roof. I went up to try to fix an aerial. I shouldn't have climbed up onto the roof. But one day when I was younger, I went into a fun fair. And I was totally unaware that when I got into this little cart and as it moved around, that it would take me into a dark, dark space. And I went into this dark space and I was completely disorientated. And as I looked over the side of this, I looked down into darkness. But what seemed to be way, way down in the depth of the darkness was some light which made me feel that I was at an incredible height. It was all, all done carefully with mirrors and so on but I was terrified I clung tightly onto the the cart as it made its way through this little room probably nothing more than the size of a church hall but for me I was lost I was in darkness but as I looked up I saw on a wall a sign a small sign and when I looked at the sign, it said, fire exit, and it was lit up. And I lifted my eyes from the darkness and the fear that was around about me, and I focused my eyes on that fire exit sign, and everything just became normal. It just became a little ride, and I came out into the brightness. You know, there is a way out of the darkness in which you find yourself. There is a way out from the darkness in which we as a society find ourselves. There is a hope. There is a light. And it's not just at the end of the tunnel. It is one who is in our presence, living with us day by day, and who will come to reign The Christmas story is a simple story. So let's keep it simple this year. The Christmas story is one of the most profound stories, if not the most profound story, 
ever recorded. The baby in the manger is God and man to bring hope into darkness. He is the baby of the manger. He is the one who brings us eternal life. He is the one who will govern. He is the Savior of the world. Let's pray. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Father, we thank you for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his birth. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you, our Father, for the hope and the assurance of him coming again. We thank you, our Father, for the assurance that out of darkness he will bring light. And so, our Father, we pray that as we move into this Christmas season, that we may fully understand and comprehend the meaning of the Christmas story. We ask this in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.